Welcome to Two Broke Nerds, two friends talking about whatever they want, because what else are you going to do during a pandemic? I'm Alec Kerr. I'm a film geek. And I'm Brian McElhenney, and I'm a music geek. And uh, because, you know, it's May the 4th, we're talking about Star Wars. Wow. Well, way, to, way to hook that in, Alec. I had no idea. Um, yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> uh, may the fourth be with you. May the fourth uh, be you as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about. We're going to. It's a two-part episode. Our first part, we're going to talk about how we think you could fix the Star Wars prequels, and then next week we'll do how to fix the Star Wars sequels. Yes, the, the May, May the fourth was not with the prequels or the sequels. Um, no. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll get into the sequels. I have less issue with the sequels, um, but there's definitely issues with them. Sure. So, I mean, let's just start with uh, episode one, Phantom Menace. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie since uh, since I saw it in a theater when I was... Uh, when did that come out? 99? 99, yeah. Summer of 99, so I was like, oh... 13, 14. I you know, know, and at that age, it's not that bad. Like, I watched it quite a bit because I was like 16 and I was like, okay, this is okay. It's not terrible. But I recently rewatched it because we binge watched the entire saga. And oh my God, like, Jar Jar Binks is even worse than I remembered him. Like, he is just so freaking annoying. Yeah. I got to say, I had a much different experience of when I, when I watched it, like five minutes in, I was like, this movie sucks. Like, this is bad. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I was expecting. This is nowhere near anything. And I, I, uh, I I don't remember much about the film in theaters and uh, I never watched it again. And uh, I didn't watch attack of the clones when it came out because of how bad I how bad that movie was. Um, and I finally came back on board with episode three because it's like, well, I, I kind of got to see how Darth Vader becomes Darth Vader. But, but yeah, I, I, I no, no love lost for, for that movie for me. <laughs> I, <laughs> at think, all. I think like with a lot of people, I was kind of in denial with episode one where I was like, yeah, you know, yeah, it was good. It's good. Like, I think a lot of people did that. And then the more they thought about it, they're like, no, it's really not. <laughs> right. I, oh, I'm trying to think, because I mean, I, at, at the point, I don't think I was like an obsessive Star Wars fan yet, but I was definitely a fan of the, the original movies. And I had seen the, the first Star Wars when the reissue came out, and I was also very dismayed by that, um, particularly that awful look job of the hut that shows up in yeah. the original Star Wars. And it's like, this is, like, it didn't... It, it's such a massive disconnect because he doesn't even look like he does in Return of the Jedi. It's like a different character, like down to the color scheme. He's not. Yeah. I almost would have preferred if they just left the human version in. Like, we're aware that this is the deleted scene and it's not the actual Jabba, but, you know, I'd rather just see the human actor. Right. Or just, yeah, just have it be a deleted scene. But Yeah. <laughs> Tag it in at the end, you know, like, here's yeah. like, special features in theaters basically yeah so so i guess the point of that is that was like a year or two before the the phantom menace came out i was already kind of down on star wars because of that because it was like yeah. okay 
taking the Star Wars that I grew up with and remembered and you're destroying it. And is this really for me anymore? Right. And I, I guess that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a thing that I, when, when the pre, when the, the sequel trilogies came out, I'm like, is this really for me anymore? I mean, I'm a 30 something year old dude. Is this really for me anymore? And, and I mean, I think that's kind of a, a thing ongoing with these films. They are children's movies. Just flat out, they are. They were designed to be that. Yeah, I mean, George Lucas said, I found an interview with him back from 1977, where he said, like, I wanted to make a children's film, but an elevated children's film that could play to all audiences. And really, Phantom Menace's, I suppose, biggest sin is that it is very much a kid's film. It's not a family film. It's a kid's film. It plays great if you're six years old. Right. But it's it's also like a lowest common denominator kid's film. It's a right. dumb kid's film. It's a dumb like, kid's film. Yeah. Embodied in Jar Jar Binks, who's just like, just that, that char- is a character built on crap balls. That's it. Yeah. Like he has no character other than he's big and stupid and clumsy. So, I mean, I guess if you're going to fix it, the first thing you need to do. And I don't, I guess you could just say get rid of them altogether, but you could still have a comic relief character and just have him not be as obnoxious. Yeah, or as, you know, coded racist as he was. <laughs> right, and that's the other thing that needs to go, is all the coded racist characters. Jar Jar is Jamaican, African, whatever the hell he is. And, and uh, before... Before we go too far into this, we should point out that um, the the actor Ahmed Best is uh, uh, black. Yes, so, yeah. But but even still, <laughs> even still, uh, Watto is just a terrible Jewish stereotype. And yep. then the Trade Federation—they're just this terrible Asian stereotype. I don't even know. It's just like all Asian people together in one. Yeah, uh, it's it's your it's your typical. Um, you know, broken English accent, Asian person. Uh, and that's everyone in the trade federation. Yeah. So that all that needs to go. Like, I don't even, it doesn't even remotely fit into the star Wars universe. George Lucas had never done anything like that. And I don't know where it was coming from, but, but I mean, he kind of had though, uh, the, like the languages in star Wars have always come from real languages that have just kind of been chopped and screwed. So, I mean, it might have been a case of he just kind of took it too far to where yeah. instead of you know, chopping stuff up to where it's unrecognizable, he, he left it in recognizable. I mean, that's a major faux pas of like any sci-fi thing. It's the difference between using a, a language or a reference and stereotyping it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't do enough work to... Um, really integrate what he was trying to do. I mean, and that's part of why the languages work so well in the original um, Star Wars movies because they were real languages. They were just mixed up and in a way that was, you know, unrecognizable at least for, for Western audiences. Right. So yeah, certainly tossing out the, the broad stereotypes, making Jar Jar less obnoxious or all the Gungans less obnoxious. You could still have the Gungans. They're kind of like the prequels version of the Ewoks of a primitive race that winds up taking down technology. Sure. Yeah. But they, but as they don't need to be so heavily coded as like Jamaican stereotypes. Right. (laughs) Because I actually don't mind the whole undersea uh, design of their, 
world, it's actually pretty cool looking. So you don't necessarily need to toss that out. You just need to make it less problematic. Right. The interesting thing about that movie is if you were to look at the broad beats, like written out on paper and kind of the journey that characters go on, it's like, this doesn't sound bad. Like, it's not a bad journey or a bad story. It's just. <laughs> yeah. It's a combo of like these broad stereotype characters, really, really bad writing. And really bad motivations, because nobody wants to watch a sci-fi movie about a trade federation war. And then the other thing that really needs to be addressed is, is Jake Lloyd as Anakin Skywalker. He's not a good actor, um, and I don't think anyone really needs to, or wants to see, Darth Vader as a nine-year-old. Right, and, and I, don't think, I, I don't think it's Jake Lloyd's fault at all, and that... that that guy's been through so much already that we don't need to pick on him. But um, no, we don't. But uh, it, it, it falls entirely on Lucas, and he just started the story in the wrong place. Yeah, and I mean, I was trying to think how to fix it, and we talked about this a little bit last week when we, you know, we almost did a whole episode after we recorded an episode last week. Um, no, um, where I was like, oh well, maybe you age him up to like twelve or fourteen, um, then it's less awkward. But then I had the thought of, well, why don't you just use Hayden Christensen? He would have been 17 years old when they shot that film. Why not just use him? And, and they really should have. I mean, they should have started Anakin's story where they started Luke's story. Yeah, because then it would, have, it would have run parallel. Right. And, and it would have fit with the sequels, too, because Ray's about that age. Yeah. You know, start the story where everyone is between, like, 17 and 20. You know, or like the main character you're following is between like the age of 17 and 20. No one wants to see earlier than that. And you still have enough of like the youthful naivety and everything to, to get it across, to get what you need out of that character. And it also gives Hayden Christensen the chance to do a complete arc. There was a disservice done to him by having him come in midway through and having to finish an arc. Right. Yeah. And, and if you look at the films together, you don't need The Phantom Menace. You don't really need Attack of the Clones. You could start with Episode 3 and be fine, especially if you've seen one of the original Star Wars films. Yeah, uh, I, I think what you... And there, obviously there's been a whole series now I haven't watched of The Clone Wars. It's supposed to be very good. I think having Attack of the Clones ha have, like, what, 15 minutes of the actual Clone Wars is ridiculous. Right. Like... You, you come out with that title. When you hear that, if you've seen the original films, you remember there, there's the throwaway line in A New Hope. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. So you, you have a reasonable expectation to believe that, oh, we're going to see what the Clone Wars were. And two and a half hours later, you walk out of the movie, nothing. It was very frustrating. And like I get, I get the point of that film, is to show that Palpatine is manipulating both sides. He created the Clone Wars. He also created the, the droid army. And, oh, look at him pulling the strings. That's fine. Like, but that should be, like, maybe 15 minutes of screen time. Like, we get it. We don't need two hours of that to explain it. Yeah. There's something that I, like, that Lucas and the creative team did so well with the original films and then just completely dropped the ball with, with the prequels, which is dropping in on these characters at the exact right time. Right. And I feel like like George Lucas has always had a problem with exposition dialogue. But I feel like in 
the original films, and part of it was that he was getting a lot of pushback from the actors themselves, is that the exposition dialogue was always placed into an action scene. The characters would give you exposition, but it was while things were happening. And in the prequels, you just have long, long scenes of exposition where literally nothing is happening except, happening except people talking. Right. It's, it's, he, he wanted to get into the politics of it, which fine, but no, not really fine, because it just did not come across as anything. It's like C-SPAN in space. Yeah. There just needs to be more focus on not just all this political crap. That no, one, no one wants a political lecture from a Star Wars movie. Right. And it's like, there, there's, a, there's like the bones of a strong story in there, but it needed a lot more kind of focusing. I mean, with the original trilogy, you're, you're I mean, you know who your main characters are, and you need to have a reason why they care about you, why you care about all of them. And you don't really get that in, in the prequels. No, you don't. The only one who really comes out unscathed uh, is Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and probably because he's already a character we know, feels well-defined, and he probably has the most clear arc in any of those movies. Right. But even that is a little, like, I mean, he spends the entire Attack of the Clones movie just kind of off on his own little side mission. That yeah. does eventually find everything else, but you know what's happening. It's just kind of okay. Yeah, <laughs> that and that movie. and with attack, uh, that whole side mission of his, um, it 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 does connect with the plot, but it needs to be trimmed down a lot. Um, which is <laughs> incidentally is sort of what happened with Last Jedi. You have a side mission story um, that takes up way too much time in the uh, in the movie, right? Uh, and the same thing happened to him in, in episode three for a good chunk of the runtime. He's off, you know, fighting General Grievous. And that's the thing. Having him be separated from Anakin for the vast majority of both those films, what we want is to see their dynamic and see the portrayal. Like, it does connect at the end of episode three, mostly just because of the quality of Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen's performances in that moment. But how much more impactful would it have been if we had seen their dynamic for two movies? Right. Instead of, like, I mean, the closest you get is, and, and I still like the, uh, I like the opening of episode three, even though it is kind of a video game cut sequence. But it's the first time those people are feeling like a Star Wars. Like, you're, you're on a mission with Obi-Wan and Yeah, and, and their banter just, is really good. Yeah. We only got, like, 20 minutes of that, if that. Yeah. I mean, imagine if all of episode two had been that. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, in there, I, I, Marvel, in taking over Star Wars, has done a whole uh, comic series, and I think one of the one of the series they had an Anakin series, kind of set between uh, episode one and episode two. Again, example of what we what would have like much rather have that on screen. I have a whole movie of like Obi Wan and Anakin and their missions together because that's what we needed. To care yeah. about both those characters. And you did get a little bit of it at the beginning of episode two as well. Because there's that whole scene where they're chasing after the assassin that tried to kill Padme. And that scene is actually pretty good. Even though it's highly derivative of Blade Runner and the fifth element. But it's a pretty right. good sequence. Yeah. You got the flying cars and the cityscapes and stuff. But 
but you're right. It, it uh, that is kind of more, you know, what that movie should have been. And the best line in episode two comes like shortly after that scene, where Obi Wan Kenobi goes up to this guy, a guy, and he's like, "You want to buy some death sticks? You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life." <laughs> like it's the best, yeah. like most witty thing in the entire movie. Yeah, it's completely ridiculous. <laughs> I just read uh, because I did do an article about uh, script doctors recently, and apparently Carrie Fisher did do a pass on the episode two script. And I feel like that line was her only contribution because it's the only remotely witty thing in that entire movie. <laughs> I think people would probably complain about it, but I, I, it's so stupid and ridiculous that I love it, actually, the, um, the, the diner scene in episode two. I know, it's so stupid, but... Right, but in the context of that extremely dumb movie, I'm like, okay, I like this. Like, this yeah. weird, like, 60s diner. Okay, I'll do it. Going back to, I guess it might be saying the same thing I was saying before, but, you know, Lucas showed us all the gears turning. He didn't show us the, the, the actual story. He showed us all the setup. We don't care about that. Just tell us the story. Yeah. It wasn't ever explicitly said in the movie, but we knew that Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi had a fight in a volcano, and we want to know how you build to that. And you kind of you kind of get to see that, but it's it winds up kind of being a little anticlimactic. Right. I I think so back to how do we fix these movies? Start with version of Attack of the Clones. You know, how the folks so that the third movie could get better in front. Yeah. Um, I mean, because there's that one-minute scene in Rogue One where you get to see Darth Vader tearing it up. And could you imagine if we got a whole movie like that? Right. A whole movie of, like, healthy, spry Darth Vader. Like, yeah. Before, before all the, the, the shit happened in the volcano. Maybe more of that. Not just, like, Anakin all of a sudden goes to the dark side for reasons and then kills children. Who are inexplicably right. called younglings? That, that, that always just boggles my mind. That he he goes to the dark side, technically for a good reason. He wants to save Padme, but then he instantly goes to, "I'm going to go kill the younglings." Yeah, it, like, it, it doesn't even make sense. And like the whole thing we're promised is like basically Darth Vader hunting down Jedi, which makes sense. He's pissed at the Jedi, like. Adam turned to the dark side and his first assignment is to hunt down the Jedi. Oh, hell yeah, that makes sense. That He'd be all over that. If you have a third movie where it's Darth Vader, healthy in his prime Darth Vader, hunting down the Jedi that he's just betrayed. Right, and even have him, you know, because this is what the Sith do, have him kind of playing Obi-Wan a little bit. Like, oh, we don't know who this assassin is who's killing all these Jedi. And then you get this reveal and then... Obi-Wan really feels that betrayal. Right. Yeah. He could, I mean, because like you've seen it throughout all these prequels, all the, the, the Sith are all hiding in plain sight. Just have Anakin do that too. I mean, there we go. We just solved that right there. Right. And, and then if you do have it be that Anakin turns in the second film, you're following the, the tradition of having the second film be the downbeat film where 
you end on this dark note and you don't know what's going to happen in the third film. I don't know. I kind of feel like we covered it. Right. Yeah. We, we need more Darth Vader in these movies. That's the, that's the thing. In order to buy the Switch, we need more Darth Vader. We need to see it happen more. And you can still have some of the things they seeded into being his root that he was really upset about it not being removed from his mother and the killing the sand people thing was probably one of the only decent things in episode two. You can keep all that, but that should be the first film. Right. So, you know, planting those seeds so that he has a darkness. Plant that in the first film and then have it pay off in the second film that he turns. And then the third film is him deceiving everybody. Right. And in the second, you don't even necessarily have to show the turn in the second film. I think, I think there's, there's ways around it. So you open up the third film, there's a a new Sith. He's more powerful than any of the other ones that have come before. And no one knows who the hell he is. And the audience is right there with that, not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. You could certainly lay hints that it could have happened, but then it's just like, well, did it happen? Uh, We don't know. Like, right. Yeah, like the seeds of the turn are all in the prequel films, and it could have been great. It just, like, they never put it together correctly or something. But, like, all the motivations are good. Like, his, his mother, Padme, the Jedi being dicks to him. Like, it all it all should have come together, and it didn't. Uh, and that's the other thing that needs to be fixed, is that romance between Padme and Anakin uh, needs to uh, actually be made functional because as it is he's just a creepy stalker and some reason Padme falls in love with him yeah it's just it's there because it needs to happen and it's another example of like seeing the like we're seeing the gears that George Lucas set up turning we're seeing the strings that he attached to his little puppet characters like it's it's not a story we're just seeing him mash his action figures together yeah yeah pretty much but if, if you get some decent dialogue in there, because there are flashes of chemistry between Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, so if they actually had some decent dialogue to work with, it could work. Right. They're, I mean, the, <laughs> Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen are both great actors. Um, in Natalie Portman's case, Oscar winning. Uh, but it's like, but if you, you, you throw them in front of a green screen, give them absolutely nothing to work with, what do you expect? Yeah. Yeah, you get you get mannequin Skywalker. Yeah, you you get what you put into it. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I, I I almost you've talked about how you wish that the creative team that's currently making Star Wars movies just made the prequels and actually had a decent story to tell because they the these new films look great and if they had a decent story to tell, it would be great. So maybe, maybe, maybe in a different world, it could have happened. Right. Yeah. And the whole, I mean, and that's kind of what was, or at least I think that's what Lucas thought was going to happen because he gave them treatments for sequels and stuff. And Disney just said, no, we don't want this. Yeah. And I I can kind of get why they would have done that. Because, like, well, everyone kind of upset with what you did in the prequels, George. So we're not going to do your treatments. But if they're going to toss that out, they needed to come up with their own game plan first. 
Yeah, it was kind of putting the cart before the horse. It's like, yeah, throw out George Lucas's ideas. Fine, great. You know, he sold it, so it's yours. Do what you want. But before you say no, maybe take a look at it first. Maybe have yeah. another plan going at the same time. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now sit down and actually sketch out your three-film story arc. And right. On that note, I feel like we should stop because we're teasing next week's episode now. We are. We are. <laughs> uh, so, on that note, uh, we're still broke and we're still nerds. So, come cool. back and listen to us bitch about Star Wars next week. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll fix, we'll fix the Star Wars movies that you didn't know needed fixing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Later. What's our show called again? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what's our intro again? Can we put uh, that there? Can that be like a blooper? <laughs> yeah, we can put it as a blooper at the end.